the word that comes to mind is um, animism. <laughs> that to me feels really profound, which is um, tuning into the sacred life force, the wisdom, the consciousness of life around us, knowing that we're never alone. There are always collaborators that surround us. And so I really like to invite folks to know that um, if we ever need guidance, if we ever need support, if we ever need to learn a little bit more about something, that that connection is always available to us. Hello, beloved listeners. This is Adrian writer of stories and songs, emergent strategist and pleasure activist living in the land of the Shikori, Skarure, Tuscarora, Eno, and Lumbee peoples. And this is our podcast, How to Survive the End of the World, where we're learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. When I say our, I'm including my sister, Autumn, who's currently on sabbatical. I miss her so much. Um, and in her absence, and basically this was her idea, but in honor of my book, Fables and Spells, I'm going full witch this season and having conversations with some of my favorite witchy people. I will also be reading you little bits and pieces from the book as we go through. Now, what I mean by witch is people who work with the elements of the natural world, including our human nature, to generate more possibilities. This includes all essential natural world engagement with magic or supernatural intentions. Some names for what I'm including in this rich work, shamanism, sorcery, seeing, healing, herbalism, midwifery and doula work, root work and conjuring, ritual and spell casting, astrology and divination, sound baths, altar building, song channeling, the ways we build direct relationships with the realm of the spirit and the holy and the ethereal in our bodies. And my guest today is someone who I've been a fan of on the internet for a while. Um, and this is our first time actually getting to talk in, in real time. So I'm like really geeked out about it. I have Edgar Fabian Frias here with me today, a multidisciplinary artist, educator, psychotherapist, and brujex, and a non- binary Viradika artist. And Edgar, I'm so geeked out to have you here. I think you're such a, a vibrant life force. Um, and I always love to just start off the conversation with how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so, so honored and excited to be able to connect with you. Also, having been such a fan and someone who has received so much medicine and um, guidance and support from your words and your practices and Aww. just such a gift to be on this podcast. So I'm just thrilled to be here. <laughs> I'm also, I'm really excited to be here with you and I'm having this very sweet day today where I like got in my body before I got out of bed. You know, like I did this, a friend of mine taught me how to do this abdominal massage and so I've been starting my days with that. And um, it's also the day that Harry Belafonte passed. And so I've been sitting with a lot of sweet, like memories and seeing other people's memories about his incredible life force and legacy. So yeah. it's been like this kind of big tender day of of just gratitude and, and some grief, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I use the word witch and I've just 
been like, I'm calling all the witches in. And I'm aware that it's like, it's not necessarily the language that everyone would use for identifying the work that they do. Although Bruhex often is, is, you know, direct translation of, of that, you know, way of understanding. But I wanted to ask you, how do you identify the work that you do? Yeah, um, so I definitely connect a lot with the word brujex or brujekis and mm-hmm. uh, really see it as connected to my, um, you know, ancestry from Mexico and also the fact that I am connected to um, some indigenous communities that I'm going to maybe share a little bit about in a second. Um, and I also see it as part of like being um, connected to Chicanequis and Latinx uh, culture and history and really feel like that's um, been a big part of my own introduction and also the different webs that I traverse is, um, you know, that are connected to what we would now see as Brujekis or Brujex mm-hmm. culture. Beautiful. I love that. Um, when did you realize, uh, or do you remember when you first realized that you were drawn to the work of Brujekis? Yeah. So, you know, I love that you brought up the body because I really have felt so much of this in my body. I'm someone who really feels spirit and energy when it's here. I get tingles. I feel like I'm uh, being tethered into the earth. I feel like I'm floating. There's so many ways that it shows up. And Mm. I have always been a dreamer. (laughs) I've always Uh received messages and dreams. So when I was really young, I had some really profound moments where I was visited um, and I see it as my ancestors coming to share information, uh, mm. guidance, love with me. Uh, one of my most profound moments of like really experiencing this was um, I was studying abroad in Leeds in England uh-huh. and I was doing an art program. And I was woken up at like four in the morning and just heard drums in my head. And I really kept seeing this image of a fire being tended and heard from my ancestors that I had a special calling. And, you know, at that time I was in school and I was like, I'm in art school. <laughs> like, what does this <laughs> like, mean? <laughs> okay, boo. <laughs> when? <laughs> right. <laughs> And, you know, that was the beginning, I feel, of a big journey. And uh, while I was in England, I was able to connect with some queer and trans squatters that were living in, like, some abandoned houses. Or even there was some that were, like, in a nunnery. And they were all practicing witchcraft and magic. And I grew up Jehovah's Witness. So for me, it was, like, such a, like, other way of living. And so... It really opened my eyes to other practices and it got me so interested and excited to learn about shamanism, uh, you know, curanderisme, and started to really look at how many communities have connected with the divine, with mm. nature, with plants. And that's also been a big part of my practice. I would say that, you know, being Birarica, uh, having family that's from Zacatecas and Jalisco, I have a deep connection with plants, animals, crystals. Wait, slow us down, slow us down. Yeah. Okay, tell me that. So Birarica, where does that fall in all of this? And what is it? What does that mean? Yeah, Um mm-hmm. So I was in my 30s when I was finally able to have a conversation with my father about our ancestry. Oh, wow. So I grew up, you know, identifying as Mexican, right, or Latinx. 
And it wasn't until my 30s that my dad um, spoke to me about our ancestors and the fact that we have many practices that I had never really known about. Wow. And and it all came because of a, a dream I had of a crystal calling to me in the mountains. Wow. Yeah. And you asked him about it? So what ended up happening was my partner and I decided to go on hikes mm -hmm. and we found some crystals. And one of those crystals sent me a message and it was in trying to understand that message that I was guided to speak with my father. And um, wow. the first thing he said to me was, oh, wow, this is something that your grandfather used to do before we moved into the village. Wow. He always spoke with crystals. And he then told me that crystals have ancestors in them and they call you to them and that mm -hmm. they sometimes visit you in your dreams. Wow. So this was one of those moments where I just felt like a record skip in my whole life, you know? Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> because, incredible. Um, as I said, I had really connected with witchcraft through the queer and trans community. Um, and I had also been visited a lot by ancestors throughout my life. Wow. This is beautiful. Um, I really love how you're speaking of all this. You know, a lot of why I wanted to do this podcast was to just bring, create a very large space in which we could talk about all the ways these practices have manifested in our different lineages and intuitively, you know, in our bodies. And I keep hearing this dance between something called me that I felt from within. And then I also was able to pair that with folks from without who were like teachers and guides and, and held some of the memory that I needed in order to know what my own story was. Um, so when did you first feel that you were like, practicing this work and was it like oh it's an intuitive thing I'm just doing something or was it I felt invited to a formal lineage and I started to study in that lineage and then I was doing it or somewhere in between um I think it's a little in between um, uh -huh. I definitely uh had many moments of synchronicity where I was invited to, uh, for example, officiate ceremonies, to be invited to hold space. It's like other started, people were seeing you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I started to do like therapy work and healing work. And also I uh, started to get invited to read tarot. And so there are ways that I was being called by community, by different folks. Yeah. And then there were also moments where I met some um, really powerful elders and um, learned even about folks who are connected to my Bidarika heritage that mm -hmm. uh, have, I've been able to like really learn from them, both through books and through reading and through, mm -hmm. um, you know, searching on the Internet, through archival yeah. work, um, and also by having direct relationships as well. And uh, I think that's also when I really started to step more fully into uh, the role of being a witch or brujekis and started to offer, uh, you know, support and started to connect with folks in, in my practices. So I definitely feel like it's been... Um, a little both and. Ad hockey. Yeah, <laughs> I like that word. Yeah. And are there people that you claim in your lineage that you're like... Like when, when you think about like the way that I do this work, it's like this person, this particular mm. ancestor, this particular teacher. 
Yeah, there are a couple of folks. Yeah, um, you know, a couple of one person I can really think of that has been really profound is Jose Benitez uh, Sanchez, who's an incredible maracame um, medicine person from mm. my community that is also like a visionary artist and an activist, someone that I've uh, been able to be introduced to by this incredible researcher named Diana Negrin that's working at UC Berkeley. Okay. Um, and that to me was one of those big moments of making a connection between my activist work, my artwork, my healing work, my community organizing work. And also there have been other maracame, other medicine people like, um, you know, there's also Doña um, Chila, who's someone who I really connected with and who was um a big part of my like learning to connect with Tatevari, um, that is the fire uh-huh. god of my people. And um, you know, Mama Chali really uh, speaks a lot about your inner fire. And that's been a big guidance mm. for myself of working with that inner fire, the inner will. Um, I feel like her work also with Kayumari, which is a sacred deer um, ancestor, has also been really profound as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone else who's been really um, big for me too has been Maria Sabina, who is a Mazatec priestess who also worked a lot with um, sacred medicines and with artists and musicians. And so those are a few folks that I feel like have been yeah. um, like ancestral tethers and connections that I've been really yes. um, grateful to be able to find in my life. I love hearing those names and, and hearing a little taste of what they brought into the world. You know, I, I feel like it's so important for people to know that all the work that we're doing is rooted in these lineages that both are like formal, like official, you know, like I went to train somewhere and then informal and then ancestral and lineages of learning. You know, like I'm like, I have a whole set of ancestors. And I just am like, you're an ancestor in the lineage of my work. There's something about the way you showed up in the world that um, is imprinted in me so deeply and is a part of how I want to show up in the world. So, you know, one of the things I have found really moving about the way you work is you seem to cast your spells a lot through the art that you create. And it feels very much like living, breathing, active art. And so I wanted to ask you, what are some or all as much as you want to share about the ways you do your witchy work and how does being an artist interplay with the ways that you shape as a witch as a brujex yeah yeah art is really central i feel Mm. like i had my most profound experiences as a young person through art Uh where i was really um what I now would consider like entered into altered states of awareness through art practice. And I definitely from an early age got the sense that art was a medium to be able to share energy, spells, intentions. And so it's been a big part of my practice. And um, as you have shared, I've also um, really sent out a lot of these spells on the internet and, yeah. and through museums, through... I mean, tell uh, me a little bit about this internet spell casting, because, you know, I feel like <laughs> you and I are up to some parallel work, right? Yes. <laughs> that it's like, you know, in a lot of ways, the internet is is this vacuumous void space and full of trolls and bots and full of bad news and full of 
you know, folks not necessarily behaving their best. And then I think that both you and I are like, I'm still going to cast some love and some positivity and some strong intention and some, some good fire into that space. So tell me a little bit how you, you know, do you, do you set out like, okay, I'm going to make a spell for the internet today. You know, like (laughs) how do you do the work? When do you know you want to share it or not share it? Like, how do you navigate all that? Yeah, I think it uh, it varies. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love what you're saying because I do feel like the internet, um, I felt very, even though I've had a lot of connections in the internet, I have felt very like excluded from mm-hmm. it as a space. As you said, there's a lot of trolls. Mm-hmm. A lot of these spaces are not designed for people like us. Yeah. And it's really also opened up this space of potentiality where I can take some risks and bring yeah. some things in that are connected to my sacred practices. And some of the spells that I've shared have come from moments where I have felt into my communities and really felt like, oh, wow, we are needing something today or I am needing something today to really transmute, contain, hold some of this emotion or energy that I'm sitting with. And that's been a big part of me um, bringing it into that space is being wanting to connect and to share and, seeing the impact that it's had and the connections that it's made has been really profound for me. That's beautiful. And so you do the work at that level. And then you also do work that is like exhibited museums and part of your teaching practice. And yeah, can you just share a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've had the honor of taking my art to different museums and galleries to show, showing it in, underground spaces. I My background is in like the DIY punk scene. That's also like a big part of my lineage mm. is connecting with folks who make space, who organize, who create yes. space where, where it's needed. Great. And um, because of that, I've also been able to hold and host um, artist residencies, workshops, um, spaces for transformation, Uh, I'm also a therapist in my practice, too. So I have a private practice Mm -hmm. where I work with people and I've done healing and therapy like experiences for folks. Yeah. So it's I I really like I think one of my um, kind of ways of working as a witch is that I'm really wanting to be slippery. I'm wanting to (laughs) move in between disciplines and ontologies and worldviews. I think it's really important to weave webs where colonization has regimented or created dislocation or disruption. Yeah, I mean, I really do think the more I turn my attention and scholarship to this work, the more I understand we're holding the world together, you know, that there's um, there's people who work in the realm of what can be seen and what is tangible and picked up, pick upable, sellable, viable, you know? And then I feel like there's this other set of us who a lot of our work is in the unseen, you know, it's like that I feel a tremble across my spine and I, and I feel a grief in my heart. And then I know there's a song that I have to sing that, is not for me to keep or for me to, you know, perfect even. Sometimes it's just like, sometimes it's just I'm by myself and I just need to sing the song and that's the assignment. And sometimes it's, you know, here's a piece of writing and it's for others. And it actually took me a while to get comfortable with that because 
I do have this other side of me that's like a perfectionist and a writer who wants to make things, you know, <laughs> whatever perfect means, right? There's something in me that's like, wait, I need to edit that and edit that. And then there's this other side that's like, no, something's happening in this moment and it needs word magic in this moment. And your responsibility is just to deliver the that, right? right. Um, and I really appreciate how all of that feels like it's in the realm of the unseen and trying to put something on paper that I know even as I'm putting it down may or may not ever be understood and it can still do its work, right? <laughs> it can still do the invisible work of connective weaving and tissue, you know, the, the tissue that holds the body together, right? I love that you're saying this because um, it makes me think of two things. One, I feel like a big part of my practice is divination and mm -hmm. being able to tap into the unseen and connect mm -hmm. with the unseen and do you do that primarily through tarot or do you do other, what are all your divination? Oh practices? yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm very expensive. I would say I yes, read. Yes, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, I read the clouds, the branches, um, mm. animal messengers, and I hear, you know, thoughts from people. I see people's auras. Mm. I, you know, definitely use tarot um and i've also used oracle decks as well mm -hmm. bibliomancy has been really exciting yeah. um and also just knowing that you know staying open witnessing connecting with life i keep trying to be like okay what are things that my listeners may or may not know so bibliomancy is working with books and picking up a book opening it to a page and reading that page with the with the eye towards what can I learn or what message is being shared with me through this text. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's, I think of it as a kind of cosmic curation, right? It's like, oh, the world is constantly showing us so much and being able to sift through and feel for and hear what is for you um, is a big part of it. And then what is for you that's for the collective. Mm, yeah, okay. I love that you're bringing in that word curation, because I do feel like that feels so in alignment with the way things show up or get presented mm -hmm. by the divine mm -hmm. in your life. And I wanted to really share also what you were saying earlier around having a message for others and sometimes not knowing if it's coming in, in the right form or if it mm -hmm. should be shaped or edited. And um, it makes me think a lot about uh, I, you know, worked of with somatic psychotherapists in the practice of Hakomi and also in the practice of internal family systems as a therapist. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a mentor named um, uh, Donna Roy, who she shared with me this technique that I work a lot with in my therapy practice, which is if something comes knocking three times during a session, Beautiful. you bring it in no matter what. <laughs> and so yeah. it's um, really taught me like, you know, that sometimes messages do come in and they might not logically make sense. They, and, <laughs> yeah. and yet when you share them, like other people get so moved and it touches something that's so profound. And so it's really taught me to trust that when it comes in. Yeah, I feel similarly. I mean, I <laughs> last night I was sitting in my bathtub and I had been having one of those days where I'd been scrolling a bit too much and... I was like, okay, it's dark, it's quiet. This is what I need right now. It's just to be in the zone. And then the song started coming. And as it was coming, it was coming, but it kept kind of stumbling. And it was like, you need to be recording this. And I was like, what? I'm not recording. I'm in the bath. 
Like I'm minding my business in my bathtub. Like, and I was like, no, 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 this isn't, you need to record. And so eventually I was like, okay, just give in. And I, and I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to record this. Cause I don't know what the song is yet. Like it hasn't come through. And then as soon as I pressed record and started, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'll share it. Then the whole song just came like in one little fell swoop. Right. And it was like, this is a little song about being on the internet too much and how you have to turn it off. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'm just going to post this and then get back to my business of taking my bath. Um, And I'm trying to trust that kind of stuff more and more often that both trusting the knocking, trusting that the way I meant to do this is to do it in partnership with a creative force that is larger than myself and has a sense of how to use me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. That I, even though my job is pulling together and curating the ingredients of the spell, I'm also one of the ingredients of the spell. Yeah. Right. Like I'm the binding glue, or maybe I'm the mixing bowl, or something. But I'm I'm part of it and not apart from it. And so I don't get to necessarily control everything about how the spell gets deployed. Right. It's like your job is to deploy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is like the the work of being an oracle, a channel, mm-hmm. someone who does connect with spirit and is that receptacle, right? And is a collaborator with the yeah. divine. And uh, I love that you shared that. And I'm so excited to listen to that because I feel like I could really use that medicine also. Yeah, I'll send it to you. <laughs> Yeah. I'll send it to you because I posted it and I was like, this is so weird, Adrian. But <laughs> then I was just like, well, <laughs> you know, as long as, you know, and I also try to say to myself, as long as it helps one person, then it's multiplied its impact. And, you know, so, because it all helps me. <laughs> it always yes. helps me. And then I'm like, if it helps one other person, which a lot of spell work is that intimate. Like I'm just doing a spell with one other person or for one other person. And I, I think this is probably true for you as well. Some of us are drawn to do work that is happening at a collective level. And so I see your artwork that way, that you're like, I'm drawn to cast spells that are going to be experienced by the collective and the impact of them will be a collective impact. Um, do, yeah. Does that resonate for you? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like some of the bigger projects that I've done in museum spaces or in spaces where they're being uh, more recorded or historicized, to me feel that way where I'm receiving um, like messages that feel both personal and collective. And I also feel that way, of course, with the spells I share on social media, because so many people affirm, reshare, repost, it it becomes this collective web that we're all holding together. And it just feels like such an honor to be able to be in that place where you're uh, able to really tether something to an image or a word that really speaks to, to a felt sense yes. or an emotion that a lot of folks are connecting with. I really appreciate that. You know, it's, for me, it's one of the most liberating things to create in this way, because for whatever reason, if I think I'm performing, then I get all in my head and I can't figure out how to get it out. You know, I can't figure out how to do it or I go way off pitch or, you know, just something happened. I'm like, ah, blah. <laughs> and if I'm just like, I'm doing spirit work, like I'm doing something that spirit has asked me to do. It's like, I go to this whole other place 
it doesn't work if I think of it as performance. Although I know some people who do sacred performance work and, and that also is something, you know, I don't think there's something bad about performance, but for me, performance and perfectionism, the root goes down into the same place. And so I have to be like, yeah, this is not a performance. This is a, a sacred ritual. And right now the ritual is a song in my bathtub <laughs> or it's a piece <laughs> yes. of art that I'm looking at from you. Hello, beloved survivors. It's me, Autumn. So, as you know, our show does not run ads. That's intentional. We are brought to you entirely by you, by your support, you cute, sexy thing. If you support us on Patreon already, thank you. You're awesome. I'm not talking to you. If you don't support us on Patreon already, I'm talking to you, and now is a great time to consider joining. We've got t-shirts, we've got tote bags, we have mugs, we have original art by my sister, and also Adrian and I do these really fun Ask Us Anything episodes, which are exclusively available to patrons, and where we answer questions that are exclusively sourced from patrons. So... To become a patron today and support the longevity of this show, please go to patreon.com slash end of the world show. Thank you. Okay, let's get back into it. Okay, so we are in this apocalyptic moment. We're in this moment that for many people is extremely overwhelming. And, you know, I keep making the connection that like the amount of distress people feel right now is directly related to the amount of privilege that they walk with. So I'm like, if you walk with a lot of privilege, you actually might be experiencing a pretty high degree of distress right now because you're like, what the hell happened to the world, the normal, good, easy world that I was in? Because now hard things are reaching people, even if they're privileged, right? But I think that for folks who have been living with less privilege, this is a moment that feels somewhat familiar or where they're like, I have a sense of what to do right now. So I feel like no matter where people sit in that, more privileged, less privileged, I I wonder what you think are the witchy skills that you wish everyone had for this moment, this apocalyptic time. Mm, yeah, I feel like the, the word that comes to mind is um, animism. <laughs> That to me feels really profound, which is um, tuning into the sacred life force, the wisdom, the consciousness Mm -hmm. of life around us, knowing that we're never alone. There are always collaborators that surround Mm -hmm. us. And so I really like to invite folks to know that um, if we ever need guidance, if we ever need support, if we ever need to learn a little bit more about something that that connection is always available to us and we can turn towards our own breath towards the clouds plants crystals animals the earth the land and there's so much wisdom there Mm. and that's always available and in a similar way, I also feel called to share that I've really seen the power and the magic of what I like to call 
nonlinear psychic collaboration. Mm. That there are ways that we can set intentions, you know, maybe send out a few like energetic messages to our loved ones. Yeah. And that we can organize, we can co create. We can really uh, strategize in etheric realms. Yeah. And what does it look like when we're doing that? <laughs> I really see it as um, tuning into the power of our imagination, of our yeah. connection, the feeling we have when we love someone, when we you know, create with someone. Yeah. And so feeling that connection and then receiving and rejoicing when you are able to meet up with that person and you realize that you've been traversing, mm. that you've been sharing, yeah. and that all of a sudden you have a plan that has come together in front of your eyes and you're wearing the same color clothing, you're thinking about the same things, you feel like you've been having conversations yeah. outside of the physical dimension. That's how it's shown up in my life. And it's happened so many times now that I yes. see it as a deep resource now. <laughs> you know, it's I love this because there's an experiential certainty that comes with a lot of this work where like, I think personality wise, I'm not actually oriented towards this work. Like, I, maybe not even personality, but like, I'm a fact-based person in a lot of ways. Like I, I'm like, I need proof. How do you know? How are you sure? You know, I don't naturally just trust the universe. <laughs> so of course <laughs> my life's work is like building trust. Right. And, and so then there's experiential certainty that comes for me where I'm like, this keeps working. Right. Like the thing that often draws me into a practice is somewhat whimsical, but then once I get there and I start doing it, I'm like, well, this keeps working. My tarot cards really resonate and my astrological readings like really open up new ways of understanding what's happening. And my spells really shift how I experience the world and how I experience my power inside of it. And my, it, I mean, I'm, it, they're constantly putting me in touch with like, what is my actual agency? Um, and, and so I'm like, I don't have doubt about any of these things anymore because it just keeps happening. The synchronicity keeps happening and the feelings, those, I love that you talked about the feeling of rooting into the earth or the tingles, because I'm like, that stuff is so consistent and I'm learning to understand what the signals mean. And it makes it worthwhile to be present. And I think, you know, so the last question I have is, advice on doing work while healing. And I've been really coming into this awakening that like, I do a lot of, of moving energy through my world. And I do a lot that requires me to be very present. Um, and I do a lot of numbing because the world is really overwhelming to me. And so right now I'm in this period of like turning and looking at my numbing behaviors for the sake of being a better vessel and for the sake of having compassion for my humanity. Um, because it's almost like I compartmentalize. I'm like, I'm either being great and doing the great collective offering, or I'm this like lazy person who can't stop eating. And I'm like, what is that? You know, I'm healing. 
and I'm healing so that I can really see the wholeness. Right. So, and I, and the work is not stopping. Like if anything, it's coming more, it's coming more quickly and with more certainty and with more like, um, I dare say urgency. Like a lot of times right now, my poems or other things will come and they're like, you need to share this now, Mm. which hasn't happened to me for maybe five or six years. Like for a long time, I've been in a phase where I could write and I could be like, I'll put that out in a little while, or maybe I'll, I'll save it for a book or something. And right now, again, I'm in this period where it's like, you need to be a direct channel, even though in some ways I feel like I'm coming undone from, from how I have been. Right. So my question to you is a little bit of guidance on how do you navigate doing your Bruhex work while also healing? Cause that's the other thing I know is like, everyone's healing all the time. <laughs> so yeah. How yeah. do you, how do you navigate that? I definitely turned, you know, towards community and towards mm-hmm. other healers for support. I mm-hmm. I know that it is so important to befriend and be in relationship with some of these parts that show up mm-hmm. as you're sharing. The parts of us that uh, want to manage, want to perform, want to heal, want to share yes. with the world. And also the parts of us that care for us, that protect us, right? Yeah. That keep us in a place where we can continue to do the work that we do. And it's an ongoing journey. um, But I feel like I've really um, been trying to build more trust and compassion and love for the parts of myself that have protected me, even if the ways that they've protected me maybe haven't felt right, or I've judged them. Uh, I've also even tried to build love and connection with the parts of myself that judge and that criticize. I love that. Because I feel like (laughs) (laughs) these are all parts of myself, right? And I've learned them all in many different ways. And so I feel like the word that comes up is like integration or consilience. Uh, It's a bringing together. And um, in some of the healing work that I do, I try to get some of these parts to speak to each other, to get to know each other better. Yes. Because sometimes some of these parts can like hide from each other or they have vendettas (laughs) or they don't like each other. Right. And so that's been really profound. So receiving that kind of support, and it's really giving me a lot of compassion for where folks are, you know, yeah. knowing that we're all in many aspects of this journey. And that, as you said, the life doesn't stop. The yeah. onslaught of information and also, you know, psychological and imaginal warfare that happens is really yes. real. And so we're all navigating this. And so it's really helping me build more and more compassion for myself and also just for the state that a lot of other folks are into. I really resonate with that, Edgar. Like I, I feel like almost all of my judgment has fallen away. Like I, I still hold a significant amount of judgment for my opposition. <laughs> you know, where I'm just sort of like, <laughs> why are you so anti-Earth? Um, but even that, I'm like, everyone is as they were shaped to be, and it actually takes a lot to step out of the shaping and the molding and figure out how to be in alignment with this place. And so I'm like, okay, like when someone is steeped in vitriol and steeped in supremacy and steeped in those things their whole lives, um, I hold a judgment for the system and that's steeping. And then I, you know, try to stay in touch with the part of me that's like, I, I pray also for their liberation. Um, and 
my my work is to do the ongoing work of my liberation, right? It, you know, because I have to tell you what, when I was in my 20s, I was just like, I am going to fix the world. I'm going to fix the world one by one. You know, like I was just like so clear <laughs> that my job, you know, I was like, I just had, I got it together and I'm going to figure it out. And now I feel the opposite, you know, it's just sort of like, oh, I'm just, you know, I think, I'm trying to think of who said this. Someone, some wise person talked about how we are the masterpiece of our lives, like the fundamental creation, the fundamental piece of art is ourselves. And that that's what we're working on over the course of our lives. And and art can inspire other art, you know, so like whatever, however far we get with our self-crafting. Um, you know, that's how we actually interact and inspire others and they inspire us. It's like when I see, when I look up to someone and like what I'm looking up to is their self-crafting, the the work they have done to claim themselves and, and be themselves. Um, and I really look up to that in you. You know, I see the freedom that you have carved out for yourself to be, to exist. And I, I think it's very serious. Very good job. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Um, Thank you. Because you are an artist, we have this section called Top Culture, which I mostly haven't been doing this session. You know, we get into conversations, but Top Culture is a way of asking people, like, what are you into right now? Like, what art are you looking at? What books are you reading? Or maybe there's a piece of music you're listening to over and over again. Or just, is there something in the culture for you that's like, this right now is my jam? And it's like, you know, giving me life. Uh, yeah, I think the thing that comes up is um, indigenous futurism. <laughs> yes. It's definitely something that I am just so inspired by and in mm-hmm. seeing how it is um, emerging in other people. That's mm-hmm. something that is so thrilling to kind of redefine history, to imagine history and the future and to imagine ourselves into into other dimensions and spaces and to also reclaim what it means for us to share about our cultures and our histories, mm-hmm. what it means for us to also imagine new understandings that are blended or emergent. And I love um, Legacy Russell, who wrote, you know, Glitch Feminism. And yes. that book has been really um, impactful for me as someone who works a lot within the internet and digital cultures. And so working with glitch, working with um, you know, ancestral magic, bringing it into the contemporary and also bringing it into spaces where um, the people who maybe designed some of these places maybe didn't imagine this existing. That to me has been really profound. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. I'll share that for me, it's so the opposite in some ways, but so <laughs> for a long time, I've been really into dating shows and, and like love and dating shows. And I still, I still rock with those. Yeah. I've been getting into sports lately. I've been getting into basketball and I, it started out with the W, not the WNBA, but the college women's basketball playoffs. And I was watching what was happening between them and all kinds of like, representations of women badassery like just watching these people (laughs) on the court just be in each other's face and fight and be excellent and be physical and it it just touched into something I didn't even know I was longing for to just be able to like 
roar ferociously and be excellent. You know, mm. like it's just really healing to see. And then I started tuning into WNBA, now watching NBA. So I kind of backed into like, okay, like I I don't know, something about it is really calming to my system. That like no matter what else is going on, they're just these humans who are pursuing excellence inside of their bodies and in teams. And like, I love that about basketball that they're like, it's really about how the team functions. So I'm like, it's this microcosm of excellent functionality, (laughs) right? I'm like, I'm very, I don't know. I mean, I'm very prone to the Golden State Warriors and the way that they move as a, like when they align and pull off a play, it's just like, you know, you might watch an individual player do something that seems magnificent, but then when you watch five people come together and do something that feels impossible, it just something gives me hope. <laughs> so my top culture lately has been yes. watching basketball, which is also <laughs> sweet because then I can text my dad and be like, hey, dad, basketball talk, you know? And it's just like, <laughs> which I know for him is a miracle. Um, you know, he's like, this I never expected to get this, you know, <laughs> a child who actually likes sports with me. Um, yeah, my so, partner and I watch a yeah. lot of basketball and it is really? very soothing. Yeah, it's yeah. So my, my partner is like really into basketball and we watch it a lot. And I, you know, one thing that what you're sharing that like group magic yes. that happens where the group starts to communicate in yes. really profound ways. And yes. I, I see it as very psychic too, yes. because there's like, you have to feel into people and know when someone's going to do something. Yes. It makes me think a lot about music also, because I feel music in that way too. Where Absolutely. It's a conversation that starts to happen yeah. in a nonverbal, somatic, experiential way. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so moving to see, to see. Absolutely. It yeah. Definitely. One of my sweethearts has got me on this path too. And it's like, there's something really sweet about being able to like, just be like, oh, I, I'm trusting that you're going to be where I'm throwing the ball. Yeah, I'm trusting that you're going to arrive where I'm singing the note. Yes. Like, I'm trusting that, yeah, that like when I fall, you're going to catch me or catch something, catch what needs to be caught, you know? Yeah. No, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I'm like, I keep finding all these other secret like radical basketball lovers and I'm just like so into it um okay so the the piece that I'm going to read today to close us out is called being with shadow and it's on page 69 of fables and spells so I'm just going to read this for anyone who likes to read along or it helps to read that way if you have the book you can pause and listen um otherwise you can just be with it and I think that this should um speak directly to our conversation today, Edgar, because I'm I'm really like, again, this is bibliomancy too. <laughs> right? Okay, being with shadow. Did I ever tell you how everything about humanity makes me so tender? I could be weeping all the time. My eyes see all the darkness. The shadows crawl across the floor, peek from the corners, laugh when I'm laughing, counting it down. They will take it back with the next sentence. I create troughs, threading away from my heart, spilling down my limbs to pulse out, sole of foot, palm of hand, all wide for the ground. In this way, I can open my eyes. Since I was a newborn, people have asked me for direction, and I have almost always felt which way to point, away from me, away, away from me. I hear something coming, which is asking me now to receive to stop letting things go through me. 
to reawaken the black hole at my center, the part powered by what we lose, what we grieve, and by longing. To reach is to live. To reach is sacred. Be attached to aliveness and nothing else. Trust, when life is done, it will let you go. Yeah. Thank you, Edgar. Thank you. It has been a real gift to get to introduce ourselves in this way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you and can keep going with your work. Um, if people want to immerse themselves in your work, is the best way to follow you on Instagram? Is there another place, another page? Like, where would you like people to come find you? Yeah, definitely. I want to invite folks to come and check out my website, uh, mm -hmm. edgarfabianfrias.org. Great. And there I have links to um, past works and also current offerings. And I also have a newsletter too, where I share um, events or ways that you can connect with me. So I definitely would love to invite you into that uh, web as well. <laughs> uh, I love that. Okay, folks, go and check Edgar out. Um, thanks y'all for tuning in again this week, this day. Um, How to Survive the End of the World is produced by Zach Rosen. Our Patreon is patreon.com at End of the World Show, where you can get access to very sweet merch and some exclusive content like Ask Us Anythings with my sister. Um, you can find us on Instagram at End of the World PC. See you next time. <laughs> we did it. Yes, let me.